Greetings, Mavuno Church. It's so good to see you here this morning, wherever you're watching from. Uh, we're so excited to, I'm so excited to be bringing God's Word to you uh, this uh, uh, day, this day that the Lord has made. Uh, we're so glad you're here. And last week we began uh, uh, an incredible series, actually the last couple of weeks, uh, entitled Money Walks. We've been learning some basic biblical principles that are going to help us uh, to say goodbye, <laughs> to say goodbye to all financial stress and anxiety and to become prepared for the things that God wants us to do with the resources he entrusts to us. And so far we've learned that there are four basic money principles. If you want to be a kingdom financier, if you want to be a person who understands how God manages, wants us to manage wealth, uh, and the four principles are ownership, retention, multiplication, and faithfulness. Uh, and you know, this, these are basically the foundation, uh, the foundation on which we build all our teaching about money. And if you want to manage resources and prosper God's ways, you need to master these four things. Uh, last week, we also learned, and uh, uh, we, we, we began to build on those principles. We talked about the fact that after abundance comes farming, and so the wise prepare. We started talking about the fact that it's critical to develop a savings culture. That retention pillar, that's what we're really talking about this month. And if you missed the message, you can go online uh, to our webs uh, to our YouTube page, Mavuno, www, Mavuno, actually it's Mavuno Church Org YouTube page. So you can actually go on and be able to follow the messages where you missed up. Now, last week we began, we were talking about the why, the why, why you must develop a savings culture. This week we're talking about the how. We want to talk about the practical, we want to break it down practically to how do you go about creating surplus? How do you go about uh, creating enough surplus so you can put aside 20%, at least 20% of your income each month? And remember, we're talking about the minimum here. I really believe that to create real wealth, you want to grow to actually put aside up to 40% of what you earn every month. Now, but for many people, as you hear this, you're probably going to be thinking, Pastor M, is this even realistic? Come on, do you know the, the, the financial challenges that many are facing in our nation? Uh, don't you realize cost of living? I mean, cost of living right now, we are facing one of the steepest uh, uh, cost of living uh, increments in, in, in the recent past. Uh, fuel prices have gone up, food prices going up. I mean, prices going up left, right, and center. Many people struggling to break even. Some people don't, many people don't have a regular salary, living on business income and it's, it's, it's up and down. How am I supposed to pay rent, children's school fees, uh, pay for food and still have something left over to save? I don't know if, you, if you've ever asked that question, if anyone in the house is even asking those questions. And I want to say this, that those are valid questions. Those are really valid questions. What we're talking about this month, it's not an easy thing. But here's the thing I want to just begin by saying today. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. The first thing you need to, de first to, de to determine is whether you're willing to follow God's principles. Do you want to follow God's principles? That's, an, uh, that's a fundamental decision you have to make. One of my, my theme verses when it comes to finances is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. And it says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil to it. Uh, another version says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You know, the world teaches us that in order for us to become wealthy, we have to hustle and to grind and neglect our family, neglect our health, cut deals, borrow, borrow, borrow in order to make it. But you know, making money in the world, I believe it's always accompanied by pain and to painful toil and by sorrow. The, what the Bible says, sorrow, called sorrow. But the scripture tells us that it is God who gives us the ability to make wealth. And that when we follow his principles, we do so without those negative side effects. Make wealth without sorrow added to it. And so the question I want to ask you again this morning is, 
Are you willing to do it God's way? Are you willing to do it God's way? You know, that's a fundamental decision. Once you make that decision, then the, the, we can enter into the house. And the next thing you want to start thinking about is how to make a plan. Now, this plan, we're going to be talking about that today. A plan is also called a budget. And a budget is telling your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. That's a good definition. Uh, rather than wondering at the end of the month what happened to my money, it's like at the beginning of the month, you actually already told it where to go. Without a budget, you'll, you will not be a good manager of goods resources. You're going to live an anxious and stressful life. And you will not be financially free. Even though you're making a lot of money, it will not necessarily equate in wealth without sorrow. Now, I want to just move to King Solomon, the wealthiest man in the, of his time. And in Proverbs 21, verse 5, he says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. You know, because of not having a good plan, many people, when they get a stand, an increase uh, in, in salary, when they get a good business deal, the first thing they do is that they increase their lifestyle. They, 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 they add, 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 they, they move to a nicer house. They move to a, uh, push their kids into a nicer school. And as a result, guess what happens? They never get out of that rat race. They never break free of that daily grind where you have to work every month or you don't survive. You know, something that most people don't realize is the people with the most money, the people who earn the most money, are the ones who struggle the most typically to get free, to be financially free. I mean, this was such a realization for me. When you get a big salary, it's easy to convince yourself you're doing well. So that's when you move your kids to a better school, you move to a nicer neighborhood, you buy a bigger car, you move into a nicer suburb, because of course you can afford it. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with these things. There's nothing wrong with having good things in life. However, it's important to always know if your lifestyle today is sabotaging your freedom tomorrow. And many of us, that's where we struggle because we don't understand that the decisions we're making today are actually sabotaging our ability to be financially free in the time to come. You see, financial freedom doesn't come from making more money. Uh, your watchman uh, at the gate could actually be much more wealthier than you, much more financially free than you. What do I mean by that? Of course, they have a lower income, but that person also have, has a lower cost of living which means that what he or she needs to put aside in order to enjoy financial freedom uh, is, is less than what you have to put aside. Their children's school fees is less than yours. Their rent is less than yours. And so don't be surprised to find out that that person, if both of you lost your job today, they would last a much longer time. They would survive a much longer time without a salary than you would. It's, that's a thing that many people don't realize because they let their lifestyle today sabotage their freedom tomorrow. That's kind of what we want to talk about today, that we should never let your lifestyle today sabotage your freedom tomorrow. I don't know if you ever find yourself thinking, if only I could get a better job, if only I could get a pay rise, if only I could find a nice business deal, then I'd be financially secure. You know, it's a, it's a good thought. It's a good, it's a good thought to have. But here's the problem. If you can't live on what you're making right now, if, if, if what you're making right now, you can't survive, you can't make it, then you won't necessarily be able to do better when you have more. Why is that? Because uh, somebody, a, a man named Dave Ramsey here, he says this, your yearnings will always exceed your earnings. If you can't, if, if you earn, if your yearnings now, you yearn for a lot more than what you can afford, guess what will happen? Your money will increase and your yearnings will also increase. And what you'll find many times is that you're yearning. What you want will always be more than what you're earning. So if you have a problem with little, most likely you will still have a problem when you have more. And that's why sometimes I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sad. I mean, I, 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 I like when people leave school. I'm always <laughs> hesitant to advise people to get a job that pays a lot of money. 
Because when you get used to a big salary too early, then you don't learn how to think well about money. And this is a danger that many people uh, find themselves in. So, so, so what am I saying? I'm saying the key to building wealth is not just about trying to make more money, but it's about seeking to be a good manager of the money God has already placed in your hands. That right now there's resources that God has placed in your hands. You may be a student, a student and your resource is pocket money. You may be running a small business and it's just that little income that's coming in every, every day from your business. It may be your salary and it's a small salary. Right now, how do you learn to be a good manager with the money that you have? And the key to that is having a good plan. And that plan is what we call a budget. Now the truth is most people struggle with budgets. Uh, this is something I completely understand. And so when, when, when my wife and I wrote this online course called Couples and Money, we, we, teach, a little, we, to, we teach a little tool, again, that, we made, that was, we, was made popular by Dave Ramsey, and it's called Zero Sum Budget. A zero sum budget. Uh, that's something that I found very helpful. In, 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 it's, it's like budget for people who don't like budgets. <laughs> so I want to teach you a bit about that. Uh, what is a zero sum budget? I'm hoping today, remember we talked about today is the, is the, is the practicals. It's the tools. I'm giving you the tools. Uh, having agreed that we must begin to put aside, uh, be wise and prepare for the future. Now, what a zero sum budget is, it's a tool that helps you allocate a role to every single shilling that you make. Whether it's to pay your bills, whether it's to repay your debts, whether it's for your savings, whether it's for entertainment, the reason for a zero-sum budget is because if you don't have a purpose for your money, trust me, someone else will give it a purpose. I don't know if you've ever realized this. Once you earn your salary or you're holding your money like this, if you don't have a money, a purpose for it, money is always working. And money is always working towards those who have a plan for it. So if you don't have a plan, your money will walk to the person who has a plan for it. And many people realize too late that they've wasted hundreds of thousands, if not millions of shillings over their lifetime, because they failed to allocate a role for their money. So a zero-sum budget is you giving your money a job description. Uh, even before it is spent, you give it a purpose. Nothing is wasted. Even the thing, the little amount you're going to spend on entertainment, it has a name right from the beginning. So how do you create a zero-sum budget? Uh, it begins by investigating your money. And that's what we're going to start talking a bit about that today. How do you investigate your money? You need to know where your money goes, where it comes from, and where it goes. Uh, thousands of years ago, King Solomon wrote another very wise thing, Proverbs 27, verse 23 to 24. And he says this, he says, Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. Now, in those days, most people... Their assets were tied up in sheep and goats and cows. So when King Solomon says, give careful attention to your flocks, what he's really talking about is know your financial condition. I mean, for them, money was tied up in goats. So when you, when that's what he's saying. Give careful attention to your bank account. That's what he'd say today. Give careful attention to your income. Where has it come from? Where is it going? Understand where your money is coming from. Understand your expenditure. Many people are in the dark about where their money goes. They may be making it from month to month, even living comfortably, but they have no idea if what they're setting aside is adequate to provide for them in the future. You see, it sort of comes and it goes towards the emergency needs as they come up because there was never a plan. But if you have no idea, uh, if, 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 you're, if you're living like that, basically you, you're so vulnerable because you have no idea if what you're saving is even enough to look after you in the future. And we talked a bit about that last week. Uh, uh, last week. So if something happens to you today and you can't earn, are you going to be in financial distress almost immediately? I remember one person uh, who I knew was a friend and he was earning, uh, I mean, a huge, 
huge salary. I mean, this person, and this was years back, was earning almost a million shillings, um, $10,000 a month. And in Kenya, that's a huge amount today. And back then, uh, almost 10 years ago, it was a much bigger amount. But the problem is, I remember this guy lost his job, and within a month, he was destitute. I mean, he was not even being able to feed his family. And that's because he was in that place where he did not know the condition of his stocks. He didn't understand his expenditure. So he had a big salary, but he didn't understand where it was going to. And the saying goes, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's exactly what happens. So you need to know the condition of your flocks because ignorance of your financial condition leads to disaster. Because remember, you should never let your lifestyle today sabotage your freedom tomorrow. So how do you know the condition of your flocks? How do you take your money back, control back over your money? I want to teach you uh, three steps. And I call them SOS. Now in, in, in uh, shipping language, in, in flying language, in, tra in commercial travel, SOS is a signal for save our souls. And it basically means we're in distress. It's a distress call. It's a button you press when things are going thick and you need somebody to come and help you. But in this case, uh, SOS stands for survey, observe, streamline. Survey observe, streamline. And uh, the first one is survey. So, so the first thing I want to teach you is survey. And survey really means track all your expenses for at least one to three months. Uh, I actually uh, challenge you to do it much longer than that. So what does this mean? It means keep a log of your income and expenditure every day. If you use checks, if you're a person who makes your expenses by checks, very, people nowadays don't do as much of that. If you use mobile money, if you use cards for your spending, then it's not hard to do this because you have statements and you have a paper trail. So you can actually go through your statements at the end of the day, at the end of the week, and be able to indicate what you've done, or how, how much you've spent. Uh, if you uh, use cash, then you need to save your receipts or record your purchases as you go. There are many, nowadays, the good thing is there's an app for that. <laughs> we live in an, an, an interesting age of ease, and so there's an app. Uh, and there are many apps. Uh, we use one called Home Budget. And it's one that I've shared with, uh, at, at Family Night, I've shared at Mavuno, in Mavuno forums. Uh, we use it, uh, my wife and I, we use it, a lot of the, the executive pastors, we all, our discipleship group, we all use it. Uh, it. And the good thing with it, it allows, uh, if, especially for married people, it allows you to independently input your income and expenses, but then it gives you a, a joint spreadsheet. It gives you a joint report. And so it's fantastic for couples. Now, there are many other good apps, and that one you pay something small for. There are others that are free. Uh, so if you're all, I mean, so, so find an app that works for you so you can track your expenses, you can survey your finances. If you're old school and uh, apps are not your thing, then you can use an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, you can type that stuff in uh, manually. And if you don't use software, I mean, if you're even really like, <laughs> like what's before old school? It's like... <laughs> like medieval school, you can actually get a book and be able to write your records, be able to write, uh, you know, uh, income, expenses, and you're able to track every day. Whatever means you use. That's not, the that's not what matters. It's find a way to track your, your record, keep your records. Now, as you keep records, remember to, you're going to separate into major categories. You've got your giving category, you've got your, your savings category, you've got your rent, your food, your transport, your clothing. So you're putting these things in categories. If you have an app, the app actually automatically does that for you. Uh, but if you're doing it manually, then you need to figure out your categories. And I always challenge people to do it at least once a week. Uh, sit down and do all your records. Uh, I actually try and do mine every day. And when you have an app, it's much easier. So it's able to, you can do it as you go. Now, here's the thing that happens. After a few months, you're able to look back and you, get, you find a really accurate picture of what you've been spending your money for. It's always shocking for people the first time they do this. 
They're always amazed. People are always amazed. My goodness, that's how much I spent on PlayStation games. What? This is how much I spent on coffee. My goodness. I mean, people just are always surprised at what they are spending for. You, you think you spend for a certain, uh, a certain amount, then you, you realize that it's actually not what you thought many times. And I always challenge people to just keep keeping the records because it gives you a picture of are you improving in your money use. So that's step one. Step one is survey. Give careful attention to your flocks. Step two is observe the O. And what is observe? Once you've surveyed, now you have something, you have data you can observe. You can actually begin to look for patterns. And you can actually begin to see the things that are happening. Are you spending more than you're earning? Uh, already, I can tell you if that's a case, once you survey, some of you already know this even before you start putting your records. But you know what? The thing is, if you're spending more than you're earning, it will not end well for you. So just having that picture gives you an idea of what's happening. You're able to even say, I'm overspending by this amount. That's a beautiful thing about keeping records. It's not just, you're not just guessing anymore. You're actually walking in accuracy. You're walking in understanding. You have a picture of what your finances are about. And so you're able to see, am I living on exactly what I'm making? Again, that's not a good picture because I need to be providing for the future. And then you're able to even say, yeah, if I was to save 20% and I was left with this, what would I do? You're able to actually observe the patterns. Uh, you're able to sit down and analyze the data. And that's what the O is about. And then finally, streamline. Because once you observe, now you make a plan. And what the plan is, you assign a category. Each category, you assign an amount. Now, the key thing to understand is at the end of a zero-sum budget, every shilling you make has to have a, a designation. So nothing is left over. So you start with your giving. I mean, I always say, the first thing I always say is pay God first. <laughs> uh, that's something I've taught here at Bavuno Church. Robbing God will not make you successful in life. And so just be able to say, okay, here's my tithe and put that away. And then pay yourself second before you pay anybody else. Then pay yourself. Remember, we talked about the fact that if you go after you've been paid and you decide I need to get some new hair, Okay, it's not new hair. I need to do my hair. Or I need to get some jewelry. Or I need to get some new shoes. Or I need to get some... Whatever it is that you get. Who are you paying? Think about it. You're not paying yourself when you do that. You're paying the owner of the shop. And you're giving a future and, and a hope for their children. That's not your children's future and hope. You're not planning for your future. So the, person, the only money when you... The money that is yours is the money that you pay yourself. And so you pay yourself, uh, after paying God, you pay yourself. And that means you put aside your 20%. And that means that you're able to actually say, after, uh, out of what I've earned, this money goes into a savings account right away. It goes into an investment right away. And then the rest is what you spend. And so I found that that is a formula. That's, called a, that's what you call a formula for financial freedom. Uh, forced savings is what I call it. So tithe, this is how my wife and I, when we were a young couple, we put aside our money, would always say tithe 10% and would pay that to the church immediately. In fact, we put a standing order, so we never messed around with that. And then we put, us, we put aside 10%. Uh, actually, we did 20% at the beginning, but you can actually do more. You can do less if you're just starting off. I'd say the minimum you want to save is 10%. Uh, but, you know, 20%, uh, if you can, you're able to put that off into your savings account. And then the money that is left... That's what you live on. That's what you live on. And then now what you do is you now assign that categories. So you're able to say this goes to school fees. This goes to rent. This goes to, to water. This goes to airtime. You're able to assign the money while it's still before it actually is spent. Now, here's a crazy thing as you do that. I want to just say, if you, this will help you become a good steward. But I'm really convinced that if you want to create true wealth, wealth that you'll be able to pass on to your children's children, then you have to learn to live on at least, you have to learn to live on the maximum 60% of, 
of what you're earning. So that 40% is going into your giving and into your saving. The real question then many people ask is, how do I fit my expenditure into 60%? If I'm already struggling with 100% and I'm having to borrow, how do I, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? How do I even begin to think about 60% of what I earn as what I want to live on? And I wrote in my book, Financial Fitness, I said that there are two ways that you can do that. One is by increasing your income and two is reducing your expenses. I mean, it's very basic. You know, when you talk, to, when you talk finance, and it, it always sounds so complicated, but it's actually very, very simple. You increase your income or you reduce your expenditure. Both are important. And I think we can talk a bit more next week about increasing your income. But for this week, I want to talk about reducing expenses because that's, I think that that's a key thing uh, that can help us as we create our budget. We have a lot more control over that right from the get-go. And Proverbs chapter 6, verse 5, again, King Solomon. He talked to somebody who was in financial distress and he says, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. I mean, that's a powerful word. He's like, look, he, he was talking to his son and, and, and some of his, their friends and he said, listen, if you find yourself in debt, if you find yourself owing money, if you find that you've signed something for somebody and now you're being chased by the bank, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. Now, this is not just a cute little metaphor. <laughs> you know, when a gazelle catches wind of a hunter, when it senses that a, a, a predator is running towards it, if you watch a gazelle, it has full focus, full intensity. I call it focused intensity. Everything else gets forgotten. And the one objective this gazelle has is how do I get out of this trap? They say that even a cheetah, which is the fastest animal in the world, uh, it has only a kill rate of one out of 20 when it comes to gazelles. I mean, you can kill other animals, but gazelles, it's one out of 20. Why? It's not because the cheetah is slower than the gazelle. No, it's because the gazelle is more focused. So that's what it's going to take for you to be. It's, you, you have to agree, I need to be as focused to reduce my expenditure so I can pay off debt, to reduce my expenditure so I can save. I need to have gazelle-like focus. You know, people who are in denial, People who are afraid to make tough changes in their finances will never succeed in their lifestyle, will never succeed. You must be focused. And for this to happen, you must start with a survivor budget. You must have a budget of this is what it'll take to survive. Everything else I'm doing away with. Uh, so so here's, here's how you do it. You start with your minimal necessities. You need food, shelter, clothing. I mean, those are, those are your minim, minimum necessities. And of course, if you have children, then you're thinking, I need some education. Uh, I, I need to find a way to get to work, transportation. But you know what? Everything else becomes luxury. You may need to sell some of your stuff, uh, some of your furniture. You may need to sell a piece of land so that you have some money. Uh, you may need to move out of home uh, and go somewhere to a cheaper house or even move uh, up country and stay in a place where you're not paying rent. You may need to look for a second job or sell your car. Uh, this is crazy stuff. I know I'm talking very crazy stuff right now. And that's fine because the option is you're, you run or you're eaten. That's what, I, for a cheetah, that's, for a giraffe, that's what it breaks down to. I'm running or I'm eaten. That's what it means to have gazelle intensity. Listen to me. If your cool looking friends still think you're cool, then you're not doing enough. Am I talking to somebody in the house? If all those swaggerific people around you, all those drip, drip, leaden people around you are, look, are still thinking you look cool, then you're, you're really not doing enough. You're not focused enough. You have to get passionate about this thing because your destiny is at stake. This is war. 
And I mean, I want to just, I mean, for, from, for our own experience, there are many times, actually I can think of at least two times when we've moved away from the house we're living in, moved to a much cheaper house. Uh, it's interesting, it's happened at least twice and the reason is because we never learn. <laughs> you always find yourself in that place. Uh, and for us, it was like, I remember two, on two occasions, we realized we're paying too much for rent. We're living in a very convenient place. It's a nice place to live. Everybody envies it, but this is not going to help our future. And I remember on two particular occasions just saying, we're cutting down, we're moving house. And on both occasions, it was quite far from where we lived. Uh, people felt really sorry for us, our friends. They must have wondered, is something really wrong? I mean, I remember one time people were just like, Pastor, are you okay? And we're like, yeah, we're fine. Because we know why we're doing it. You see, we don't care what people say. Our family comes first and our destiny. And so it's not about impressing people. If you're still thinking about impressing people, then you don't understand what's at stake here. Now, now, some people are in business and you don't even have regular income. How do you create a budget? I get asked that all the time. Uh, here's the thing. I want to just say it's even more important for you who are in business, who are depending on business income uh, to do the things we've talked about. SOS, the zero-sum budget. It will give you a clear picture. This is why you have to track over several, year, several months so that you're able to see what are the patterns that you make. What are the income patterns in your business so that you can actually create a plan based on fact. And then having a clear picture of, of what you will need to do to save and to live on. And what will happen is why it's so important for you is when the money finally comes, because what happens with business people, they, they, they call it fast and feast. Uh, you're really broke and then money comes in and you spend it all because you're so tired of being broke and then you go back to being broke and you're waiting for the next deal. You move away from that economy because when your money comes, it already has a name and has already been planned for even before it comes. So, so that's, that's what this is about. Guys, some of you may be saying, I don't have time to do this. Uh, and I want to say this, nobody has time to do this. I can't think of anything less interesting than keeping financial records. <laughs> it's not something I enjoy doing. Uh, and yet I've been keeping financial records. We've been keeping financial records for many, many years, my wife and I. Knowing the facts shows you exactly where you are and it helps you understand where you should be going. It helps you even understand what you should be doing with the money you have. Some of you are generous and you love being generous and I love that. But you know, when you, keep the, when you keep these figures, it even helps you understand how you can be more generous because you have an accurate picture. You're not just being emotional in your giving. You're not just being emotional in your generosity, that you have a plan towards it. And that's important because you should never let your lifestyle today sabotage your freedom tomorrow. Now I want to conclude. I know today has really felt like a seminar and it's like, I just wanted to give you some really practical tools. But I want to conclude with a story. And this story was told to me, uh, uh, it was told to us by a doctor friend, uh, a top surgeon in this country. Uh, this guy paid extremely well. I mean, even then was one of the top surgeons, so today must even be more, but paid extremely well every time he does a surgery. In fact, not even when he does a surgery, when people walk into the clinic, they pay. I mean, so, so this person makes a lot of money, but he was, he, he, he was talking about a colleague that he worked with who was retiring. And on the day this lady retired, she was his lab technician uh, and had been a lab technician for years. She was an older woman. So she was retiring and uh, she invited her boss to come and visit her house uh, during the retirement party. And he, wasn't, uh, he was busy, but then he decided to go and he was so happy he did because that day he made an amazing discovery. And the way he told us is that this lady, she had earned a lot more money than him. I mean, she, he had earned a lot more money than her, obviously. I mean, her salary was a pittance compared to his. But when he landed in her house, he was amazed 
because his first time there, he realized he had a comfortable home. I mean, a really comfortable three-bedroom farmhouse, uh, in a, in a, in a, not in a bad area, uh, several dairy cows, few other business ventures on the land. I mean, she had educated her kids, so all of them had gone through university and they were there. They were very proud of her on that day. And this man began to, he, he, he noticed that her retirement would actually not affect her standard of living. In fact, he realized she's been working for me, but this woman didn't need to be working for me. She was actually quite okay. She was comfortably well off. And as he talked, he discovered that what happened, how did she get there, is that for many years she had saved and invested a portion of her salary every month, every month. So that eventually she was able to invest and she was able to make money from her investments, buy a good home, have a little farm and enjoy a comfortable lifestyle and retirement. Now, the big shock for our friend was when he actually realized, because you know, sometimes you can see all this and it doesn't compute in your head. But fortunately for him, I think it's like the Holy Spirit just tapped him and it, it dawned on him. It dawned on him that despite his income being so much higher than hers, he would not be able to retire as comfortably as her. He realized that his money was practically consumed every month with an expensive lifestyle. I mean, the, the mortgage for his big house, the school fees for his kids in the expensive schools, running his nice big car. And it dawned on him that if for some reason he couldn't work anymore from that day, his family would feel the impact almost immediately. And in a very short time, they'd be in a very serious crisis. I mean, for our friend, it was such a wake-up call. I remember the shock for him just to realize, my lab tech, I mean, she's such a, I mean, I thought of, I didn't think very highly of her, but now I've come to understand she was much wealthier than me all this time. Now, many people are in exactly the same situation. They have good jobs, they earn good money every month, but this fact dangerously blinds us to the fact that our lifestyles are only sustainable as long as we keep earning those, those salaries. Uh, if we didn't have them, we'd be destitute in a short time. Or maybe there's someone who's not yet earning a big salary or making big deals, but you're convinced that all you need to succeed is to make uh, that promotion or to get that big tender in your business. But you're not understanding that, you know what, uh, right now, the decisions you're making are determining how faithful you will be when you get more money. That if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. So my friends, I want to conclude by saying never let your lifestyle today sabotage your future tomorrow. I really sense that this is God's word for us as a church in this season. That we must not let, we must not become those people who are walking around proud of lifestyle at the expense of future. Now I'm going to be concluding our series next week. And I'll be sharing one of the key things that could sabotage your ability to apply the lessons we're learning. But also we're going to be talking about, yeah, how do we, how, what, what are some of the things we need to do to increase our income and to move uh, forward in the things we've talked about today. Uh, in fact, my prayer is that we will have serious results from this series in the next 12 months. Uh, there are going to be some major testimonies that are coming out of the things we're talking about. There's going to be some major, uh, uh, in fact, the prayer I'm praying is just for an end to financial anxiety. I see you not anxious about money in the next few months. I see you moving away from the place where the month, end of the month is what determines your happiness. <laughs> moving into a place where you're able to walk in confidence and freedom and not fear phone calls. You know how you look here? There's some phone calls that just remove your joy. That's not your portion in Jesus' name. Uh, you're going to be joyful regardless, even if it's a landlord calling you. In fact, you're so happy. You have stories with them. Uh, and, and you're also on your way to becoming a landlord in Jesus' name. So I'm, I just want to challenge you and say, as we apply these things, I really believe that God has a huge role that he wants us to play. I want to invite you to join us at family night this Wednesday uh, because this coming Wednesday we're going to be talking about uh, even goals for our savings what are some of the things you need to be doing because savings will never make you wealthy 
they create the foundation for true wealth. I won't have as much time to break that down on Sunday, but on Wednesday, we're going to be breaking that down. So I hope to see you uh, this coming Wednesday. Uh, before we pray, I want to issue a challenge. And this is my challenge to us as a Mavuno family. What would happen if, you could all, if we could all start tracking our expenses this month and do so over the next 12, year, uh, 12 months? I want to just challenge us. What if you could start end of September? So figure out whether you're going to use an app, whether you're going to use a spreadsheet, whether you're going to, use a, uh, you're going to write it down. But start tracking your expenses for the next 12 months, from September until the end of September next year. I really believe that that already is going to put us in a different position of understanding of our resources. And then what if every single person here, every couple, every family could create a savings culture where we make it our target to save at least 20% of what we earn each month? What if that could be us? Those people who actually have a, a buffer, a cushion around us so that we don't have financial stress and anxiety. I want to challenge you to consider that challenge that over the next 12 months, you will seek to put aside at least 20% of what you earn uh, into your savings. And we're going to be talking about on Wednesday what you'll be doing with some of that. So I want to just pray for us even as we conclude. Father, I thank you for us as your people. You've called us as your people to live distinctly as the people of the covenant. You want us to be different from the people of this world. And the people of this world, they run after things. They run after lifestyle. They run after looking good. And that's the pressure that we are all under because we, it just feels like that's a normal thing. But I sense that in this series, you're beginning to recalibrate some of our mind and to teach us that we must be critical consumers of our culture, that we must not run in the direction everybody else is running. And so Lord, I pray for your people that you will help us avoid the pressures of this world. That Lord, you'll help us to be good stewards of the resources you place in our hands. And indeed, Lord, I'm praying for this church that Lord, there will be no financial stress or anxiety among us. That Lord, there will be no needy ones among us because we'll have enough for ourselves and to bless the congregation, the people in our discipleship groups who need help. Lord, this is our prayer. And I pray that as we become good stewards of your resources, that Lord, you would test us with resources. We want to be faithful kingdom stewards. We want to be kingdom financiers over your work. And so I pray blessing upon every family in this church, anybody who's in financial distress, anybody who's in stress right now. And I declare that that season is coming to an end. And that Lord, as we apply the things we're learning, that you are doing a new thing. And so we bless you, Lord, and we give you all the praise. For we pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus and God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.